Hello and welcome to another episode of Virtual Legality. I'm your host, Richard Hogue, managing member of the Hogue Law Business Law Firm of Northville, Michigan. And I thought, hey, it's been a little while since we last checked up on Dr. Disrespect and now seemed like a good time. As a matter of fact, a number of people in my comments and elsewhere mentioned to me that yesterday on Dr. Disrespect's live stream here on YouTube, where he was moved to after getting banned from Twitch, he had a bit of a conversation with his viewers about how he was feeling with respect to the present circumstance and with respect to that banning from his Twitch platform. You can see it was in this video, Dr. Disrespect Live, Warzone Performance Center, which I, of course, will link in the description to this video. He finished off his conversation with viewers by saying the following. So to think that I'm here and just moving on, I'm not, I can't. How? How can I? Now, in order to understand what he means by all of that, I think we have to go back to when he started this conversation. And one thing that I will point out is that Dr. Disrespect, whether you like him or hate him, whether you believe him or disbelieve him, has been very consistent in the messaging on the points that he is going to raise in this discussion as part of this video. Most specifically, the points he is going to raise on what Twitch has told him and what they haven't told him, which he continues to suggest is virtually nothing. So when he starts talking about this, he frames it as a question of anxiety, as a question of pressure. And I'm going to talk about some legal aspects of that when we get towards the end of this video, because this is a law channel and we want to talk about those things. But first, I want to give you the words that he used. I feel like I need to talk to you guys right now about how I've been really feeling about everything. I've played sports my whole life, high pressure. I've never dealt with anxiety before. So he's trying to establish that this is a new feeling for him, that he has dealt in these various circumstances throughout his entire life. I believe he was a college basketball player of some sorts. I've heard people reference that to me when talking about Dr. Disrespect. And he's saying that whatever I'm about to talk to you about right now is new. And that's going to be important both from a kind of legal perspective, as we will see, and also from the perspective of just trying to establish that he has been done wrong by Twitch. Again, whether you like him or hate him or believe him or disbelieve him, that's what he's trying to establish with this messaging. The point that we were at before we got banned, we've overcome a lot of stuff in the past. We got to such a good point. And this is shortened. He goes off for a couple of sentences talking about how excited he was, how all pistons were firing at Twitch right before the ban happened. And then he says the following. And then to have that taken away from you and to not know why and to not know anything about it, not to be told, nothing, boom, taken, grabbed. All the eggs in one bucket, boom, taken away. He's trying to establish that this is a, something unusual, that in his life he had established this platform at Twitch. He had built this thing up. There was an asset there. He felt like he was in a good place, that he had overcome stuff in the past, which we will talk about as part of this conversation. And then it was ripped away almost instantaneously. And if you are in the mood to believe Dr. Disrespect on these questions, I think we can all get into those shoes where you've built something and you've got this giant multi-million dollar contract that's barely a few months old when this ban actually happens over the summer. And then it goes away like that. And one of the things I've said in this space in virtual legality is there is no reason to disbelieve Dr. Disrespect on the particulars of what he is actually saying and what his counsel is permitting him to say. 
He is allowed to say that he does not know why he was banned from Twitch. Council has allowed it. His public relations people have allowed it. And just looking at things from the outside, it is highly unlikely that that statement on its face is false. Now, that doesn't mean that there isn't wiggle room. That doesn't mean that Twitch didn't send a letter saying we're terminating your contract for breach of our community guidelines and maybe even an entire section of those community guidelines. But Dr. Disrespect and his team can still feel comfortable saying that was never tied to any specific activity of his, even if, and this is for those of you more inclined to disbelieve Dr. Disrespect, even if he might have a laundry list of things in the back of his mind that he thinks that Twitch could have used to terminate his contract. As we've said in this space, you don't negotiate against yourselves. And so if you don't know from Twitch's mouth why they chose to do what they did, you can still say, I become anxious. Because what are you trying to do if you're Dr. Disrespect? You're trying to build up another asset at a different platform. And yes, you've had wild success in doing so. And we'll talk about that as part of his comments as well. But still, you now know you have lived a life in which that was all taken away from you in a heartbeat. And at bare minimum, you didn't get the logic wires tied together for what you did as X to result in termination at point Y. You don't have that in the back of your brain to actually tie together, even if you think there might be a number of good things at point X that could have led to point Y. You don't know what it was that you did. And so, yeah, I can totally imagine walking on eggshells around those kinds of feelings. And that's what Dr. Disrespect is portraying in these comments yesterday. He continues by saying, the fact that I am here live on YouTube, it's been a fantastic return. Yeah, he's had, I think, a half million concurrent viewers in places. A lot of his videos that I've seen come by on my feed have millions of views. It's been a fantastic return by any reasonable metric. But he says, my anxiety levels are something that comes in these huge waves, and I'm having a hard time dealing with it, I'll be honest. I mean, it was taken away from us, and to not know why, I'm just, man, it's... And again, we can understand that. And I think maybe it's a little bit tougher for people that don't have this kind of massive pedigree and massive level of success as someone like Dr. Disrespect to say, oh yeah, you have a half a million viewers. What are you talking about? But certainly outside of the law, just in terms of human to human interaction, when we think about these things, we can put ourselves in those shoes. And let's just say that Dr. Disrespect is telling you the 100% complete truth on these kinds of things. This is a feeling that I think I would anticipate having, and I suspect a lot of you that are watching this video could anticipate having yourselves. Now, these statements aren't made in a vacuum, and we will definitely get to that as part of this video as well. He continues, a lot of people think, hey, the numbers are fantastic. Yes, the numbers are nuts, crazy, which is fantastic, but you know, we've come back before. Through adversity, I've come back, because you know why? It was on me. I accepted the responsibility. It was on me, but there was an opportunity to come back. How do I, what do I accept in this case? I don't accept anything and there's nothing I can do about it. You know, I'm just, uh, it comes in waves just so you know. So there might be days where the dock seems off. And in this portion of his discussion, he's trying to establish that he has done bad things in the past. Certainly, those have been documented in the many articles in Forbes or Kotaku or IGN that we have discussed in this space while talking about the Dr. Disrespect Twitch issue. He undoubtedly has certain bits of a checkered past that I think a lot of people hold against him even to this day. But as he says, 
He took responsibility for those things. He had the conversations that were necessary and he came back. And now he's trying to frame this as a place where that's what he likes to do. He understands he makes mistakes. He likes to acknowledge those, correct those actions and come back bigger and stronger and whatever kind of catchphrase you want to use from Dr. Disrespect to describe that. Only in this specific instance, he isn't allowed that kind of closure, according to him, because he wasn't told what it was that led to this massive action against him. This is tens of millions of dollars that he likely lost, or at least in part lost, in the blink of an eye, and now has to pay for lawyers and public relations people to try to mitigate the damages and to try to get some of that money back. And he doesn't know the specifics of why, even if he might have some ideas in the back of his head. So he looks at it and says, I can't accept anything. There's nothing I could do about this. And so, yeah, my anxiety comes in waves because from my perspective, as he describes it in this video, I don't know exactly what I did. I don't know how it got to this point where I was terminated. And I'm not just moving on here at YouTube. I'm not just moving on. I have anxiety that comes in waves. And then from a legal perspective, he wants you to know that that anxiety is not just affecting him, but also it's affecting his business. So there might be days where the doc seems off. This was all in response to, I, I guess, a four-hour video that he did yesterday in which at the very end of it, which is really all that I saw in terms of preparing for talking to you all about this, he died in a way that he was unhappy with. He said it was just one of those days. And then it led to this conversation about anxiety, about it coming in waves. And I think if you are inclined to believe him, you are inclined to be sympathetic towards him, I think this is a story this is a set of feelings that we can all understand, that we can all sympathize, if not empathize with. And so I do think this tells a good story. Is it a story in a vacuum? No. And it's a story that could potentially be useful. As we've talked about, what is likely happening right now is that Dr. Disrespect and his team is fighting with Twitch and their team about what, if any amount of money from the contract that he signed with them, he should receive at the end of the day and that Twitch is going to have to bring some kind of claim against him to establish what portion of his contract was breached that they can retain all that money, maybe claw back some of that money, whatever it is that Twitch is trying to do as a part of that contract. We also pointed out that in all likelihood, just like the terms of service, which I've highlighted for you, they're probably going to deal with this problem in arbitration. It's probably going to be confidential arbitration if it gets to that dispute level. And it's probably going to be governed by the laws of the state of California. Now, I believe Dr. Disrespect is in California. As best I could tell he is, the articles that I could find indicated that he was in the Los Angeles area. CAA kind of hinted at that. We don't have addresses. We don't have county information. I think that's for the best, honestly, when you're talking about famous people online. But it appears that he's in California. So along with these kinds of statements, where Twitch is likely to have their contracts governed by California law, he's likely operating in California, we can start to look at certain elements of the law. And one of the things I'm going to say here, I brought up some jury instructions. I love to use jury instructions in this space, not only because California does such a great job of publishing them for all to see, but also because they break down the elements of a legal infraction to a level that is supposed to be understandable by a jury of non-lawyers. And so it makes it easier to talk with you about all of these kinds of things. So what I have pulled up now is California's description of intentional infliction of emotional distress. If you are going to violate the law in California or anywhere else, you violate the law when you meet a number of different elements 
that are put forth in the law. Now, actually, California doesn't appear to have statutory backing for this particular claim. It was actually judicially created over a course of a number of cases, as we will see. But ultimately, there are four things that you need to show. So just looking at this, this is what would be instructed of a jury if it got all the way to the end point of a court case against Twitch in this particular instance. It would say, Dr. Disrespect claims that Twitch's conduct caused him to suffer severe emotional distress. To establish this claim, Dr. Disrespect must prove all of the following. Number one, that Twitch's conduct was outrageous. That's going to be the biggest sticking point, and we will talk about that. Number two, that Twitch intended to cause Dr. Disrespect emotional distress, or that Twitch acted with reckless disregard of the probability that Dr. Disrespect would suffer emotional distress, knowing that Dr. Disrespect was present when the conduct occurred. Now, this is only related to Dr. Disrespect, so the, the presence component isn't important. It's that Twitch either intentionally intended to cause him anxiety, cause him all these problems with his work and his livelihood, or acted with reckless disregard to the fact that it could happen to him. Number three, that Twitch, no, the Dr. Disrespect suffered severe emotional distress. And number four, that Twitch's conduct was a substantial factor in causing that severe emotional distress. So if we break this down, if we actually talk about what Dr. Disrespect is talking about here, he's talking about severe anxiety, severe anxiety that is affecting his ability to do his job, that comes in waves, and that if he were to bring a legal claim on these points, could probably be affecting him physically in some manner. Certainly the lawyers would try to suss that kind of thing out. And so you have Twitch's termination of Dr. Disrespect without notice of why that happened and taking 10 plus million dollars out of his pocket without telling him why it happened. Was that outrageous? Was it intended to cause him emotional distress or did they just not care about any emotional distress? That's probably the easier thing to prove. Did he suffer severe emotional distress? Will that anxiety count for that? And was Twitch's action a contributing factor of causing that anxiety? I think four is pretty easy. Whether or not this anxiety rises to that level is tricky. Whether or not their conduct was outrageous is more tricky. And I think acting with reckless disregard kind of dovetails with that first element. If it was outrageous, they definitely acted with reckless disregard to how it would affect Dr. Disrespect. If it wasn't outrageous, it's hard to get to reckless disregard if they weren't acting in a way that was outside their ordinary course of business. So then we look at these jury instructions and you get these supplementals, right? You get the description from California about where these things came from. You can see this is Copyright Judicial Council of California. In case you're wondering the sourcing on this, the Judicial Council of California is their policymaking body. So this is an official document. This is what they would show to their juries at various points in time. You can't see it, but I think it's 3,000 pages long. It's got jury instructions for every possible claim in the California court system. And then it has supplemental it has those instances where a lawyer or a judge decides that there needs to be more information given to the jury on one of these particular points. And here we see 1601. I don't believe that Twitch ever gave Dr. Disrespect the fear of cancer, HIV, or AIDS. So we can probably pretty safely skip that one. But then we get to talking about outrageous conduct. And California describes outrageous conduct, which remember is an element that is necessary in making this claim as conduct that is so extreme that it goes beyond all possible bounds of decency. Conduct is outrageous if a reasonable person would regard the conduct as intolerable in a civilized community. Outrageous conduct does not include trivialities such as indignities, annoyances, hurt feelings, or bad manners that a reasonable person is, inspecting, is, an, is expected to endure. 
In deciding whether Twitch's conduct was outrageous, you may consider, among other factors, the following, whether Twitch abused a position of authority or relationship that gave them real or apparent power to affect Dr. Disrespect's interests. So we've got a number of issues here. Outrageousness is usually a very high bar to clear. It's one of those reasons why whenever we go through a lawsuit in this space in virtual legality and you've got an intentional infliction of emotional distress claim, whether it's in California or elsewhere, it's always kind of tossed in as useful if you can get it, but it's a very difficult claim to prove because even a bad actor, even Twitch saying, we terminate you, we don't tell you why, doesn't necessarily rise to the level of outrageousness, especially when we're talking about sophisticated business parties. This is a place where Dr. Disrespect being represented by CAA, having all these good high-priced lawyers to negotiate his contracts might actually be held against him because ordinarily a simple termination of an employee or a contract won't rise to that level of outrageousness. That being said, we don't know what kind of emails were exchanged, what kind of teleconferences were had, what kind of meetings are happening behind the scenes right now. And so could Twitch be actually using their position of power to hold over the fact that they otherwise would owe him 10 plus million dollars in a way that affects Dr. Disrespect's interests and his ability to mitigate those damages in the future? I think you can make that argument. It's just a very weak argument to make. And we've talked about weak arguments in virtual reality extensively in the recent weeks, talking about Epic versus Apple and other cases of that ilk. Reckless disregard, I don't think we need to cover necessarily. But then we've got the severe emotional distress component, right? Is the anxiety that Dr. Disrespect is actually describing, does it rise to this kind of level? Emotional distress includes suffering, anguish, fright, horror, nervousness, grief, anxiety, worry, shock, humiliation, and shame. Severe emotional distress is not mild or brief. It must be so substantial or long-lasting that no reasonable person in a civilized society should be expected to bear it. Dr. Disrespect, however, is not required to prove physical injury to recover damages for severe emotional distress. This entire claim in the state of California is a personal injury type claim that you have impacted me in some fashion in a way that was untoward. Now, with all of those combined, what you've got with this kind of description of events, what you've got with Dr. Disrespect talking about these kinds of things is at bare minimum, a potentially weak but existent claim for Twitch inflicting emotional distress on Dr. Disrespect. So in the context of what we know, in the context of the fact that Twitch and Dr. Disrespect would appear to be engaged in some form of negotiations or discussions about the money that he was otherwise owed under his contract. That's the reason that Dr. Disrespect doesn't talk very much about this, that his lawyers have advised him not to, that in the interviews that you see with him, he says, counsel has told me that I've got a lot of money on the line and I'm letting the law firms deal with it, that that's all happening behind the scenes. One of the things that you want to have if you are negotiating these kinds of things behind the scenes is you want to be able to drop a potential claim on the other side to say, okay, well, you know, these aren't going the way we want necessarily, and you did this termination, but also maybe we could drop an intentional infliction of emotional distress if we had to bring this to an arbitrator or if we had to bring this to a court, right? Maybe this comes out of disputes regarding the agreement. Maybe this is actually a physical tort that we can claim in court, and now you have to go through discovery and maybe we can make this public. And so even if it's a weak claim, when you're talking about legal strategy, 
one of the things you could potentially have is you say, hey, you know, I've got a client with a video functionality. And, and this isn't saying that Dr. Disrespect isn't feeling these things. But you say, Dr. Disrespect, how are you feeling? He says, I got anxiety that comes in waves. And you're the lawyer. You say, hey, do you think you could publicize that? Do you think you could put that as part of your video, something that we could clip out and that we could show somebody if push came to shove, if it was necessary to do that, if we needed to, if that's what you're really feeling? Lawyers, lawyers never encourage clients to embellish or lie. I, I can assure you of that. That would be an ethical breach. But what I can say is if Dr. Disrespect says, yeah, you know, I'm feeling these things and can you put those on video? That might be the kind of thing that Dr. Disrespect could do at the tail end of a four hour stream. Now that might sound a little cynical to those of you, especially that are new in virtual legality, maybe haven't watched the rest of this series on Dr. Disrespect. Please do check that out. I think we're on a number of videos talking about Dr. Disrespect in this space. But what's important to note is that this isn't happening in the absence of that silence. So like in other instances where I have said, hey, you have to think about all these things as big ticket counsel arguing about things in the background. All of this happens. All of this happens in that specific ecosystem of possibility, in a place where this could be potentially useful. This could be potentially useful to Dr. Disrespect and his team if they are trying to leverage out a stronger position at the end of the day with what will ultimately likely be a settlement and release of some kind for some portion of the money that Twitch was expected to pay Dr. Disrespect. It doesn't mean you are likely to see a lawsuit on this particular claim. It doesn't mean that you are likely to ever see this kind of thing out there in the wild in an article or otherwise. It does mean that the kinds of things you saw Dr. Disrespect talk about in that video yesterday that so many of you brought up to my attention in the comments of my videos and in my DMs. Thank you so much for that, by the way. I'm always appreciative of getting linked to those things. It does mean that these kinds of statements could be trying to leverage the current situation for a better result for Dr. Disrespect. This has been Virtual Legality for today. I hope you enjoyed this video. If you did, please like, please subscribe, please share around, ring bells, do all that kind of thing. We have talked extensively about Dr. Disrespect and the Twitch situation in this space. Please do check out the Dr. Disrespect playlist on those questions if you are interested in more there. Otherwise, if you caught this on YouTube, thank you so much for watching. And if you listen to it as a podcast, thank you so much for listening. And I will catch you on the very next episode of Virtual Legality. Virtual Legality is a YouTube video series with audio podcast versions presented as commentary and for education and entertainment purposes only. It does not constitute legal advice and does not create an attorney-client relationship. If you have legal questions about the topics discussed, please consult your own legal counsel.